How's everybody doing? It's good to see you this morning. My name is Clark, and I help lead our young adult college-age ministry called New Perspective, and also help lead and oversee our life groups with Pastor Tony. And uh, it's just so awesome to be here with you guys this morning. And as DJ mentioned, if you're a first-time guest with us here today, it is an honor and a privilege that you would come uh, carve out time for your Sunday morning to come hang out with us. So again, thank you for being here. Glad you're here. We have been in a series called Grow, and this is an 11-week summer series, and it's really all about growing spiritually. And so if you're just now locking in with us. The premise of this whole entire series has basically been this in a nutshell. Uh, For a lot of people who come to place their faith in Jesus Christ, and I know that when I say that, not everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus, but for those of us that would claim to be followers of Jesus, a lot of times what happens is this, is we can kind of subscribe to this line of thinking of when we come to know Jesus, that becomes the stopping point of our spiritual growth. But the Bible would tell us, by way of contrast, the Bible teaches us that that's actually not the stopping point of our spiritual growth. It's the starting point of our spiritual growth, and that throughout a Christian's life, they, their view of Jesus should expand, and it should grow, and they, they should view Jesus uh, more and more differently as we uh, grow spiritually for those of us that would place their faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about through the past couple weeks. So if you're just now locking in with us here today for the first time, again, glad you're here. You can get all caught up by going to medinaeast.graceohio.org, and you can listen to all those online sermons, get all caught up, or you could subscribe to our podcast uh, as well, and you can uh, listen to all those uh, weeks you might have missed. But today what we want to do is we want to continue this conversation. And uh, last week, we're going we're gonna to pick back up from where we left off last week. Pastor Seth talked about spiritual growth, specifically as it relates to to uh, the context of Christian households and different family roles. And so it's really, really at that point um, from the book of Colossians, we're using that book of of the Bible to jumpstart this conversation of spiritual growth. And so we're kind of picking back up from that, and we're getting even more practical and moving uh, to to other uh, areas of the book of Colossians. So uh, if you have your Bible, go with me to Colossians chapter 4, and you can find that on page 823 in those black Bibles that are underneath the chairs you're sitting in. And as we always say here at Medina East, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we would uh, count an honor and a privilege if you would go ahead, take one of ours, uh, in fact, write your name on the inside and and just take it home with you. That's our gift from us to you. It's our way of saying thanks for being here, glad you're here. And if you're more of a digital person, you want to use your smartphone, your, your iPad or tablet, you can go to the App Store and search Grace Ohio, and you can get the Grace Church app for free, and, and that's for you, and that's for free, and you can get to today's passage of study that way as well. So however you get there, that's where we're going to camp out for the, for the uh, basically the time that we have together this morning. And uh, go ahead and just lay that in your laps once you get there. And uh, what I want to do is I just want to pray for us, ask God to lead us and guide us in our conversation this morning. So Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you so much for every single individual in this uh, auditorium this morning. God, uh, thank you for uh, just uh, the opportunity that we get to come together, Lord, uh, whether we're uh, investigating you or whether somebody kind of dragged us here today, uh, regardless of where we're at, God, whether we've been following you for a long time, um, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, reveal yourself to us in a new way, God. Uh, Lead us and guide us in our conversation uh, together. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a little bit about me. I'm not normally the one that's up here uh, teaching on the weekend, so let me give you kind of a window into my story a little bit. As I mentioned, my name's Clark, and uh, about five and a half years ago, I was not on a Grace Church staff. I wasn't on any church staff, and honestly, I wasn't even a follower of Jesus five and a half years ago. I was on a completely different 
trajectory of life five and a half years ago. And if, and if, and if you met me five years ago, you may not like the person that I was. Because I was kind of that person that subscribed to that line of thinking of, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life the way I want to live life. Um, you know, don't try to sell me anything about Jesus or the Bible, and I'm not going to buy what you're selling, and I'm going to live life the way I want to live my life, so back off. I'm not really into that kind of thing. So maybe, maybe some of you are there today. Maybe you know somebody that's like that. Well, I was like that five years ago, and it, it was at that moment in my life, it was kind of a turbulent time, and, and the way I kind of think of it, in, in my brain at least, is a lot like kind of swimming in a whirlpool, because I was running with kind of a different crowd of people, and I was kind of a heavy partier in my early 20s. And I tend to, like, think of it this way. Like, if, if you're, like, swimming in a whirlpool, right, towards the outside, you can kind of control the ride a little bit, and it's kind of fun, right? And then as you swim towards the middle a little bit, you kind of fall in, and then you can't get back out. And so I kind of found myself falling into this, this whirlpool of desperation and this whirlpool of, of addiction and this whirlpool of bad choices in life. And, again, maybe some of you are there today, and maybe, maybe you know somebody that's there today. But let me just... Uh, let me just say this, that, that uh, you know, I found comfort and I found rest for my soul. And I want that for you. And I know God wants that for you today. So I want to share that with you today. But it was at that moment in my life, you guys, that, you know, I found myself drowning in this whirlpool of desperation. And what I was doing was not working, okay? And uh, it was at that point in my life, out of nowhere, really, uh, that I had, a, I had a friend that reached out to me. Of all places, it was on social media. It was on Facebook. And uh, five years ago, I had a friend that I had lost connection with with um, kind of after graduating high school, and uh, I was talking to this person online, and, you know, we talked about maybe catching up some time, reminiscing, and so on and so forth, and they said, yeah, you should come to this young adult gathering at Grace Church Bath Campus, and we'll get caught up. I was like, okay, so I reluctantly went to that, and I'll be honest, it was really uncomfortable. I mean, it was really awkward. People came up to me, and everybody was smiling, and everybody wanted to meet me and introduce me to their friends, and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I go into the auditorium. Uh, Pastor Tony, uh, many of you know Pastor Tony, he was leading this ministry at the time, which ironically enough is the same ministry that I lead today. But he was leading this young adult ministry at the time, and that night he preached the gospel. And for some of us, maybe we're not sure what the gospel is. So, so for those of us that are not sure what that is, the gospel is basically this, that we're more messed up than we think we are, but in that same breath, we're more loved than we can ever dare to imagine. The gospel is essentially this, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He died a criminal's death on the cross, and then he borrowed an empty tomb for three days. He rose from the dead. And then through repentance and faith through Christ, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so I heard that message that night, and it was abundantly clear. And I remember going home, and it just totally rocked me. And I remember it just, it just I, I was at this moment where I had to kind of download and process what I had just heard. And, and weeks upon weeks, I, I came back to a Grace Church Sunday service, and I came back again to another Sunday service, and I came back again, and I came back again, until eventually I heard an Easter Sunday service where Pastor Jeff preached on the resurrection of Jesus, and I heard that a resurrected Jesus can resurrect a family. I heard that a resurrected Jesus could resurrect an addict. I heard a resurrected Jesus can resurrect basically anybody in any situation. Nobody has gone too far. God can save anybody. And it was in that moment that I made a decision, that I was going to believe it, that I was going to accept it, that I was going to own it. And through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, I came to the Lord. And so it was an awesome thing that happened. And I'm like, man, this was like the biggest decision that I could ever make with my life. It's the biggest decision that anybody can make with their life. But if you've been around Grace Church at all, 
you would know this, and if you haven't been around Grace Church, let me just kind of tell you what we're all about here. We're all about knowing the gospel, living the gospel, and giving the gospel away. And I came to find pretty quickly that giving the gospel away, telling people about the story of Jesus, is probably one of the most uncomfortable and awkward things that you could ever do. I found that pretty quick. And maybe for some of you, you can relate to me in that. If you've, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, and if you've tried to talk to people about the story of Jesus, you've found yourself in that same awkward, that same uncomfortable uh, feeling that I found myself in. And uh, the reason I, reason I bring that up, the reason I tell you that this morning, is because today I want to talk about what is probably one of the most confusing and most convoluted topics of the church today. I want to talk about evangelism. And I know when I say that word, some of us were like, what the heck is evangelism? Evangelism is just a churchy way of saying, I'm going to share the good news about Jesus with somebody. And for those of us that maybe grew up in the church, a lot of, a lot of the uh, stuff that we're thinking, we have a lot of images in our head and our evangelistic radars kind of go off. And for some of us, we have this image in our head of maybe a door-to-door evangelist, somebody that knocks on doors, has a tract, and says, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And that's not what I want to talk about today. Uh, maybe for some of us, we get this image out of our head. Maybe it's not a door-to-door evangelist, but maybe it's somebody who stands on the corner of the street and they're yelling through a bullhorn, like, you're going to hell. And that's not what I want to talk about today. Uh, maybe for some of us, we get this image of our head of a televangelist. And they say, call this 1-800 number and, uh, you know, we'll baptize you. We'll work something out. And that's not what I want to talk about today. Um, Timothy Keller, a pastor in New York City, I love this quote by him. He says, bad evangelism says, I'm right, you're wrong, and I would love to tell you about it. And I love that quote, but I don't, I don't love the fact that it's true. Because honestly, it's really tragic, and it's really, really sad that the gospel has become this thing that people feel condemned and, and judged. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to judge the world. He didn't come to be aloof from the world either. He came to save the world. And so this message of the gospel, as carriers of this story, as carriers of this beautiful message of this good news, we should be able to present this to people in a way that's, that's gentle and with respect. And so if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, uh, this conversation will relate a lot to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, um, my hope is that maybe if somebody dragged you here today, maybe you'll have a better understanding of why they're so excited to bring you to church today. And uh, we just, again, we think it's an honor and a privilege that you would come hang out with us this morning. So, so thanks for coming here and enduring me today. Uh, so we're not left unaccompanied in this need for instructions in evangelism. And, and I don't want to pretend to stand up here like, like I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about evangelism. Because I, as a fellow learner and a fellow sinner, I'm right there with everybody else. And I'm trying to navigate and figure this out myself too. But what I do know is that Colossians chapter 4 totally rocked me this past week. And I want to share with you a couple observations that I found, if that's okay. And so God looks at us, those that are followers of Jesus, and said... You know, as Colossians tells us, he's like, I've rescued you from the dominion of darkness. I've brought you into the kingdom of the son that I love. Once you were alienated from God, now I've reconciled you to God. I want you to know this gospel. I want you to live this out practically in your day-to-day lives. And I want you to give this away to other people. And so God looks at us and he says, I want you to do that. 
And so if you are here today and you're a follower of Jesus, maybe for some of you, in fact, I know this because I, I read your prayers, I read your connect cards, and I've even talked to some of you. There's a lot of people in your sphere of influence, in your natural pathway of life, who you dearly love, who you desperately want to know to come Jesus. And, and maybe some of you, you, or you know somebody who's in that same uh, drowning in that whirlpool of, of addiction or, or shame or guilt or pride or denial or whatever it is. And, and, and maybe uh, for you, you just desperately want them to know Jesus. And I know for myself, I have so many friends and so many people that I know that I desperately want that too. And so my hope is that uh, today we can talk about that a little bit. And maybe we could walk out of here with some practical stuff for us to kind of co-labor together and spiritually grow together. So we have an opportunity to uh, hear from God's word today. And so let me give you a little bit of a context before we break in of this book of Colossians uh, that we're talking about. So if you've been here, you might have heard that the book of Colossians is actually a letter that was written a long time ago, around the first century A.D., by this guy named Paul. Now, this guy Paul, just imagine this guy who used to persecute and want to kill Christians. He came to have a real encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. The Bible teaches us that Paul, his life uh, trajectory totally totally took a, a, a complete like 180 uh, with his life, and he became one of the most influential leaders of the church. He went from being a persecutor of the church to being one of the most powerful leaders of the church, and this guy, he's got an awesome story if you ever read Acts chapter 9, but anyway, he's writing this letter, so just imagine this guy, he is in chains because he's spreading the gospel. And so imagine a guy who's in chains, he's been persecuted for, for trying to spread the good news, to give the gospel away, and he's writing to this church in modern-day Turkey. He's never been there before, but he's writing to them, and he's telling them about giving away the gospel. So break in with me at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. The Apostle Paul says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Verse 3, And pray for us, too, that God may open, uh, what's the word? Door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So Paul, again, would have been in chains because he's in prison for sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I want you to notice that word door. Notice again, he says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. What is the message? The message is the gospel. Now, Paul uses this biblical imagery of door in a couple different places um, in his writings. Uh, he uses it in his first letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 16. He says, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. And he uses it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul mentions, now when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. So what is the apostle Paul getting at here? Well, what he's getting at is this, that when you have an opportunity to share the gospel, when you have an opportunity to share the good news with people in your natural pathway of life, Paul says that's not something that, you know, that would be kind of cool if you did that. That would be pretty sweet. No, he's saying the God, the living God of the Bible is opening a door for you to co-labor with Jesus so that you can take someone from their uh, dominion of darkness and, and bring them into the kingdom that God loves so that you can take someone who's alienated from God and you can help Jesus in reconciling them to God. He's saying someone who is in their whirlpool of desperation, their whirlpool of, of, of addiction, their whirlpool of hurt and pain and guilt and shame and whether you're neglected or rejected or used and abused, you are co-laboring with Jesus to take that person to be reconciled to God. And it's 
an awesome thing that we get to be a part of here. And so he says the, the, the God of the universe is opening a door so that you can be a part of that. And so the question that I have to ask myself, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I, I read the Bible and I don't just view it like it's a bag of trail mix, like I'm going to keep the pieces I like and I'm going to ignore the pieces I don't, I'm going to really try to obey this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to view this like, man, I should probably really ponder this and really think about like, what does this look like? So the question I asked myself when I read this was, are you praying for an open door? Are you praying for those in your natural pathway of life that God would open up a door for you to share the good news about Jesus with them? And maybe even as I speak right now, there's a person that pops in your head. You're like, that person doesn't know God. That person is so distant from Jesus. I should really share the gospel with that person. And, and if you have that person in your head, do me a favor. Just pull out your phone right now. Put their name in your phone. Remind yourself to pray that God would open a door for that person, that you could share the gospel. Maybe you could try this this week. Maybe you could try this this month on your way to your next appointment to have coffee or lunch with somebody. You just throw up a quick prayer. Just say, God, this person doesn't know you. I don't know if they're interested in you. But Heavenly Father, if it's your will, would you open up a door for me to share your gospel with them. Maybe you could try that this week or even this month even. Just give it a try. And I know that when I say that, maybe for some of us, you're like, oh yeah, Clark, well obviously Paul doesn't know my mom and dad. Obviously Paul doesn't know my math teacher. Yeah, Paul, you don't don't know my family and how dysfunctional they are. Obviously, Paul doesn't know my, my, my uncle with the alcohol problem or doesn't know my friend with, you know, the addiction or how prideful my co-workers are. And let me just, let me just say this, if I can just say this, that, that God doesn't view your uncle with the alcohol problem the same way that you view your uncle. God doesn't view your math teacher, you know, if you're in middle school or high school, God doesn't view that person the same way you view that person. God doesn't view your dysfunctional family the same way that you view your dysfunctional family. God looks at every man and every woman and every child and says that person is an image bearer of God. And God says that I want no one to perish and I want everybody to receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want all those that are alienated from me to be reconciled to God. God wants to capture the hearts of of people who have no religious footing whatsoever, and he wants to reconcile them to him. And, and that's just something that I've been learning, and I think that there's nobody that's too far away, because when I was far from God, when I was distant from God, somebody made a move. Somebody saw God open a door, and somebody took a chance with me. And so that's, that's, that's kind of, if I'm a Christian, I need to think in terms of that paradigm, that there's nobody too far. There's nobody too far from God to save. And so I think to myself, God, would you open a door? And so are you praying for an open door? I think that's something that's definitely worth pondering, and it's something worth asking ourselves as people who claim to be followers of Jesus. So watch what happens next in verse 4. It gets even better. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And Paul's asking that they would give him clarity to preach the good news of the gospel. Again, you have to imagine Paul, this guy's writing this letter. He's in chains, he's in prison, and he's asking 
He does, notice what he doesn't ask for prayer. Could you pray that I could get a pretty good meal tonight? Could you pray that I could get some really good sleep? i got a long day of evangelism tomorrow. He doesn't, he doesn't pray for, for his own personal you know, comfort. He's praying that in the midst of his terrible circumstance of being in prison in chains, imagine him in chains, he's praying that, that God, or asking them that they would pray that God would open a door. And so some of you, you might be there right now, and maybe you're not in chains in prison, but maybe for some of you it was a phone call this week, it was a conversation that you had this week, maybe for some it was a diagnosis this week. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that in the midst of those trials and that hurt and that pain, that the God who opens doors, he can create an opportunity in that. And I know this because I've talked to some of you, and some of you are going through some really crazy stuff right now, and I want you to know that God can open up a door in the midst of that, and you can share the gospel of Jesus with people through that. I'll watch what happens next, verse 5. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. He says, I want you to exercise wisdom towards people who don't know about Jesus. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Now watch what happens next in verse 6. This is so awesome. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that, any, so that, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now notice that he says, seasoned with salt. What's that all about? That's really weird, isn't it? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's really weird. Yeah, that's really weird. So in ancient times, salt was a preservative, and it was used for medicinal purposes, but it also was used, of course, for seasoning. And so how many of you, by a show of hands, like French fries? Go on, don't leave me hanging here. I love French fries. They're so good. (laughs) What's better than French fries? Salty French fries, right? Why? Because they bring out the flavor. And so think of it this way. The Apostle Paul, he's like, okay, so... Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everybody. So what is he getting at there? Well, the Apostle Paul is saying, when you have your words and when you use them to speak the gospel to people, when you share the story of Jesus Christ with people, I want you to take your words and I want you to season them with graciousness and with kindness and with politeness and with wisdom. He says, and when you do that, you know what happens when you do that? You bring out the God flavors. You bring out the Jesus flavors. You bring out the gospel flavors. And people can taste and see that the Lord is good. And you speak life into people. And your words are building people up and not tearing people down. And you're bringing the best out of people. And people are looking at, at a watching world as looking at Christians and thinking, man, you guys aren't known for what you're against. You're known for what you're for. You're known for the person of Jesus Christ. You're known for a good message. You're known for good news. And so the question that I have to ask myself if I'm a follower of Jesus is this. How will you speak through an open door? When God gives you that open door, how will you speak through that open door? Will your words be full of grace as though seasoned with salt? Will you shower them with graciousness, with kindness, with wisdom? Or will your words be condemning and judging? Again, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world or to judge the world. He came to save the world. On the flip side of things, will you speak good advice or will you speak good news? Will you talk about Jesus and what he has done? A question that I really like to ask myself that's kind of convicting, but I find it really helpful is this. Am I privatizing my relationship with Jesus Christ? 
if I'm a Christian, am I privatizing my relationship with Jesus Christ? Let me explain what I mean by that. So if you know me, if you know Clark, you're going to know, if you know me on a personal level, you're going to know what I love, and you're going to know who I love. If you know Clark, you're going to know that I love my fiance Amanda. And I'm not private about that. If you know me, you're going to know that I have a personal love for playing guitar. But I'm also not private about that. If you know me, you're going to know that I love french fries. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's possibly private about that. But if you know me, you're also going to know that I love Jesus Christ. And that I read his word. And that I pray to Jesus. And that you know, I give to his cause and his mission financially with my energy, with my time, and with my resources. And I'm not private about that at all. And so a relationship with Jesus is personal but not private. And so when I think about talking to people and sharing the gospel, I think a lot about, like, sharing my story. It's kind of like what I did earlier at the beginning of our time together. And so a lot of times it, it looks like me learning their story, too, so that I can learn what they love and who they love and what they believe. And it's in that moment that I earn an opportunity to share the good news about Jesus because it's personal, but it's not private. And so when I'm thinking about how I will speak through an open door, a lot of times I like to think in this uh, paradigm that the Bible gives us in First Peter chapter 3, the Bible teaches us this, that to always be ready to give an answer to the hope that is in you, but do this with, catch this, gentleness and respect. So those are the two key ingredients when sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, with gentleness and respect. And so my relationship with Jesus is something that's very personal, but it's not private. So everybody turn to your neighbor and say, personal, not private. Awesome. I love the Apostle Paul said, too, that he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul knew that this was a very simple message. Paul was an intellectual, and, and intellectuals would scoff at Paul because of the simplicity of the message of the gospel. He said, because it is the power of God that gives salvation to everybody who believes. And so thinking back to, you know, when I was in that place of desperation, when I was caught in that whirlpool of addiction, that whirlpool of bad life choices, just kind of felt like a loser, felt like an idiot, felt like I wasn't doing anything right in life. I heard that message abundantly clear. When Tony preached the gospel five and a half years ago, it was in that moment that I felt this kind of tugging on my heart. It was something that couldn't be ignored, even if I didn't matter how hard I tried, it was like I could feel the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart, and I had to make that decision. And so a lot of us today, maybe you're in that same boat right now, or maybe you know somebody who's in that boat right now, and, you know, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe it's a, a whirlpool of something else. I don't know what it is. They're in their own whirlpool of, of whether it's addiction or, or pride or, or uh, denial or whatever you're caught up in. I think the question that Jesus looks at all of us and he wants us to, to, to answer is this question here. Will you answer his knock at the door? Will you answer his knock at the door? Um, can I just say something? Some of us, either some of us here, we, we are in that whirlpool or we know somebody who is in that whirlpool. And let me just, can I just say this, that Jesus is in the business of being on a rescue mission and pulling people out of that whirlpool of desperation and hurt and pain and into the kingdom, into his kingdom. 
And that same hope and that same comfort and that same rest that I found five years ago is available to you too today if you place your faith in Jesus. I know it's the biggest decision that you could ever make with your life. And I I understand that. I realize that. And I don't want to pretend like it's not a huge decision because it is. But I will tell you that, that you can find rest today and you can find comfort today in knowing that Jesus loves you. The verse that that question is really rooted out of is uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says this. He looks at me, and he looks at you. He looks at all of us, and he says this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I just hope that it's french fries. No, but in all seriousness... I mean, think of how intimate that is. The God of the universe, he's not a distant God. He's not an angry God. He's not a disappointed God. He's a God that he says, I'm standing at the door of every individual's heart. And if you let me come in, we're going to sit down and we're going to share a meal together as friends. He's like, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you comfort. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to show you that you're made in the image of God. And that I want more for you. God wants more for you. Jesus looks at all of us and he says this. This is his invitation that he gives to all of us. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's the heart of God. God is asking you today, to come to him, and he will give your souls rest. For his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. So maybe for some of us, we need to ask ourselves, am I answering that knock at the door? If you hear his knock, if you hear his voice, and you open, he'll come into your heart, and he wants to have a relationship with you for eternity. He conquered Satan, he conquered sin, he conquered death. And for some of us, we're in that place right now. Right there, and and maybe for you, you're not you're not really sure what to think about all this. Uh, maybe for you, you're you're in that place uh, of desperation, and and you feel the same way that I felt. You felt stupid. You felt like a loser. You know, you feel you feel like, man, I, I I'm hurting my friends and family. I don't even love myself enough to to really help myself. But you know, some there is somebody who does, and his name is Christ. His name is Jesus, and and he looks at you and he says, "Come to me." And I'll give you rest. He says, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of drowning in that whirlpool? Don't you want to be rescued and be in my kingdom? He has a seat for you. He has a seat for every, everyone. I would encourage you to think about that today. Maybe for some of us, today is the day that we put a stake in the ground and we answer that knock. We answer that voice at the door. And we allow Jesus to come into our lives. And that same hope that was available to me, that same comfort, and that same rest is available to you today. And I would just encourage you, if you make that decision, let one of us know on the staff. We would love to help you navigate and explore where to go for your next steps. So I want to ask the band to come up now. And as they do get settled in, I just want us to, to really think about this um, kind of as we download and allow this, this, uh, these observations from Colossians 4 to percolate. Um, if, if we're followers of Jesus, again, you know, like, Am I praying for an open door? Is there somebody in my sphere of influence, in my natural pathway of life, that I could be praying that God would open up a, a door, an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus? And then secondly, if I'm a believer in Jesus, 
how am I speaking through an open door? Is it words full of grace as though seasoned with salt? Am I giving the good news? And then if I'm not a follower of Jesus, if you're here today and you're really not sure what to do with this, if you're like, get that guy off the stage and get Tony back up here, I would encourage you to just keep coming back and uh, really just, just don't be afraid to grapple with the scriptures a little bit and really ask questions. And I would encourage you, you know, during this time, the band's going to kind of create a space for us to really just uh, think about and download what we just heard. And I, I would encourage you to just pray to God and just be like, God, if you're real, then would you show me? And uh, I would just encourage you to think about that today. Well, thank you for giving me your time, and uh, let me pray for us. Well, Jesus, we, uh, I just want to acknowledge you, God, as uh, supreme over every human philosophy and all human accomplishment, God. Everything was created uh, for you, by you, through you. Um, Lord, I know, that, I know what you've done in my life, and I know the, I know the rest and the comfort that you offer, um, that you offer to your, your people, God. And uh, Lord, I understand that uh, you ask us to take this message, the good news of, of what you did, God, and to, to give it to other people, to be salt, to be light. And Lord, I understand for some of us, we're really not sure what to do with a message like that. God, for some of us, we're drowning in a whirlpool of hurt. We're drowning in a whirlpool of pain. And we're drowning in a whirlpool of suffering, God. Lord, I ask that you would rescue people today, God. That you would pull them out of this drowning whirlpool, God. And and that you would bring them into the kingdom of the son that you love, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, God. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.